Welcome to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter. Whether you feel that you don't have enough money to start investing or are under the preconceived notion that investing is only for the wealthy, Magnus and his expert guests are here to help you. Now here is your host, Magnus Carter. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Magnus Carter. Last week, we had a replay of the shred method for shredding debt. Uh, Those guys over there are still literally doing exactly what you're doing. I'm actually still following along with the program myself. Uh, So that actually is from last week. But this week is I've been wanting to do a show on this topic for a very long time, probably since before the holidays. Uh, I was looking to do this. And today's show is going to be all about food, all about our body health, and how that actually equates to us making more money, investing, and a longer, healthier life. With me, I have a special guest for that, is I have Chef Dr. Mike. Welcome to the show, Chef. Thanks, man. It's great to be here, mate. Appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. You know, I've seen that, you know... Before we get into a couple of things, I want to go into your background because it's kind of it's a very colorful background because you normally see a doctor that's just normally a doctor and you're a cardiologist, correct? So you're right. constantly, you know, you're always constantly doing consultations in a doctor's office and you know the fancy robes and whatnot. But what got you into becoming a chef? Because that's actually, a, that's that's an odd combination. I, actually, the chef part came first, believe it or oh. not. So um, as you know, I was growing up. In the dark, dark ages before the internet, uh, we moved around a lot as a kid. So I was sort of co- constantly that new kid on the block, not in the very successful boy band way, but in the very unpopular actual new kid on the block way. And uh, my mom was a great home cook and really into at the time, uh, probably the only celebrity chef there, Julia Child, uh, along with Graham Care from the Galloping Gourmet from uh, New Zealand, I believe. And about the time I would get home from school, she had watched the shows and had the cookbooks out and getting dinner ready. So I was jumped into the kitchen uh, to help out. So in many ways, the kitchen, uh, though I did not appreciate at the time, I was learning culinary medicine because it was a place of healing, not only just a place to sit down and and eat at the dinner table. And as I went off to college uh, to help pay for college, uh, had to get a job. And so for me, it was very natural just to go into the food industry again at a time when there were no celebrity chefs, plenty of jobs. Nobody wanted to work in a smelly kitchen where, you know, you had to be there Friday and Saturday nights when all your friends were going out and you were the ones who were serving them uh, there. So I actually started as a dishwasher. Okay. I worked my way up. And until by the time I left college, I was essentially running the back of the house at a nice little local restaurant. Well, today we would consider really a farm to table and sort of a seafood, uh, sea to table uh, restaurant at the University of Virginia uh, way back when. Oh, wow. You've you've brought up so many good points there that I would love to get into. Uh, One point is I am a firm fan of the small, small restaurants. Big shout out to those business owners out there because even though they, they took some time, you know, they put, they instead of putting the money into what it looks like, they put it into their food where it actually counts. You know, I, I applaud them for that because I have been all over the U.S. as sure as I seen that you have traveled as well. Uh, one of the main things I love to do was go to these small restaurants and try, try out the local cuisine. 
you know. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And, um, you know, it, it's been so hard and it's so good to see so many of my friends and colleagues kind of bounce back from the difficulties of COVID. And that disproportionately affected these small business folks, uh, these people taking the extra effort to source local foods, good foods, bring them to us in the most delicious way uh, possible, uh, preserving ethnic, cultural, and regional cuisines. As you mentioned, going to different areas of the country, being able to try different things. And uh, so it's good to see them, you know, starting to bounce back from that. You know, by the end of the COVID, chain restaurants were actually at a higher growth rate and doing better than before COVID because of the supply chains and the fact that a lot of them were built for takeout, so on and so forth. Uh, They really ended up thriving. Uh, and benefiting from COVID, whereas the exact opposite happened to the type of restaurants you're talking about, uh, which relied on people being there, in-person dining, being able to get to the local uh, purveyors and producers, get your ingredients, et cetera. So it's good to see them starting to make a little bit of a comeback. Oh, I, I completely agree. Now, yeah, as you know, the, the show is all about how to help people make money. Uh, and this is pretty much for the small business people or people looking to invest. You brought up a fact about the supply chain. Now, how does a small mom and pop shop differ from, you know, the chains on, on how they source their food? Right. So a lot of the chains use what we call ultra processed foods, which, as I teach at the University of Montana, is one of the focal points of our culinary medicine course. Uh, because although it's not really common knowledge now in the United States, and it, it is in, in many other countries around the world, uh, in 2022, for example, France completed a four-year study looking at how to reduce ultra-processed food consumption in the French population as a whole, uh, because it's so overwhelming in terms of the recent data that's been put forth uh, before us, that this is one of the major causes of chronic disabilities and diseases, things like obesity, type two diabetes, cardiovascular disease that that I deal with as an interventional cardiologist, and so on and so on and so so forth. And you know, one of the great ways to save money is to stay healthy and not see me in the cardiac cath lab at two a.m. when you'll get a bill for twenty five thousand dollars. Does not go into my pocket, folks. Uh, that's the hospital charges, you know, for a cardiac catheterization and or stents um, for like a little two day. Uh, you know, stay at the hospital. Uh, And then, you know, you're going to, what people also don't realize is that once you have a diagnosis of something like coronary disease, you're flagged for higher insurance rates, et cetera, et cetera. So that's something that you'll continue to pay for, you know, for the rest of your life uh, outside of obviously the personal health effects. So staying healthy is, is very important. And staying away from those ultra processed foods seems to be one of the real keys. And this idea, and I know people, I know your listeners are frustrated, Magnus, and I don't blame them because I was too. Uh, for 50, 75 years, you know, there's been sort of this schizophrenic food health advice, right? Like, don't eat eggs. Oh, eggs are good for you. Well, maybe these people shouldn't eat eggs. Uh, don't eat artichokes. Uh, you know, don't eat uh, avocados because they're full of saturated fat. You know, absolutely don't eat any kind of nuts. They've got lots of saturated fat wait, that's a good kind of saturated fat. So you should eat lots of it. <laughs> eat as much as you can. Have lots of guacamole. Dip your nuts in guacamole. And and it turns out that, you know, a lot of this uh, is because we didn't appreciate a couple of key things, which is the gut bacteria, 
and how important that is for our health and how ultra processed foods uh, are not the same thing as natural foods or naturally processed foods. So I'm talking about, you know, making a pizza from scratch. I make my own dough. I crush some, some fresh tomatoes. I put some real cheese on. Boom. That's a pizza that the Italians have actually shown in the study to be good for us, to contribute to health. Calling up the chain, you know, and again, those supply chains with all that prepackaged, processed, low quality ingredient stuff. Turns out that that's not so good for our health. Oh, absolutely. You can have, you brought up a bunch of things here. You can actually taste. Um, I'm definitely very um, ex- uh, susceptible to taste of cheese. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one thing because I, I love eating it. I, you know, you can definitely tell the saltiness level of a cheese that the higher the salt, the higher the saltier taste, the lower the quality of the cheese it is. Well, you bring up a, a very good point. One of the characteristics, and we go through them in our class because it's so important for the graduates of our program to be able to obviously know what that is, but then communicate and, and help educate others, is these uh, really high levels of sugar, salt, and fat. And it is mostly salt and sugar uh, that interact with our brain. So these, particularly sugar, uh, acts in the same area of our brain as opioids. And we know what we know how well as a country we're doing with that addiction right now, right? Right. And so uh, that actually it, it functions in our brain the same way. It it hits our dopaminergic reward center. So as a producer of food of ultra processed food, again, you talking about the differences. Uh, when I can add lots of levels of sugar, I'm literally drugging you into having a positive experience when you eat my food. Salt uh, reinforces uh, the desire to have it again and again. Uh, some psychologists have said that salt, because we're omnivores, is that is what we're descended from. We have to, like many other primates, we are built to seek out salt because we have to have it in the wild to survive. Right. And so many of them think that salt, our innate craving for salt, is actually the basis of all addictive human behavior because we literally had to seek that out. We sought it out to survive, et cetera. And what fat does is fat is is a carrier. And so when I combine sugar and salt in varying combinations and then add fat, I can actually deliver more sugar or more salt to you, to your brain before you start to think it's unpleasant. And, And the ratios vary. And so like with a potato chip, you might want it to be saltier because you're expecting, desiring something a little saltier. A donut, you you may want to be a little bit sweeter. So we up the sugar level. And those combinations of sugar, salt, or fat are what's known in the food production industry as a bliss point. And every different type of food has its own bliss point. And every manufacturing is seeking to out-manufacture the other guy and and essentially construct a more addictive food-like substance. Like adding sugar, like soda, as we're talking about soda. I, I I've been off soda now for over a year and a half again. Before that was like seven years, and I just had that craving for it, and I seen it, and I had you know I had, I, I just had it because I had the focus. I needed the caffeine to focus, so it, I knew that's what it would do. Yeah, and and you're right, and and listen, I went through the the same thing. So you know, I was an intern, busy resident. Uh, many, many years ago, <laughs> more than I can remember. But, you know, I'd have coffee all morning long, but in the afternoon I would switch over to soft drinks. 
And for the same issue, I'd be having, you know, half a case of soft drinks um, the afternoon to, then to work into the night when I was on call and stuff. And soft drinks, as, as we found in our research and um, in our culinary medicine solution um, that, that we work with people uh, through called the Healing Table, that uh, soft drinks are one of the big contributors to ultra-processed food consumption, uh, not only in America, but uh, across many other countries. And so it becomes this sort of focal addictive point, as you say, where people are just reaching for these soft drinks all day long and, and not really realizing 32 ounces, you know, 20 ounces, 64 ounces here, there, adds up to, to a, a lot of things you don't want to put into your body. You're right. And we'll go, let's go into the restaurant aspect of this because, you know, times are tough now and eating out, it's been went through the roof with everything. Yeah. And one thing I want to, I want to question you on and what would be good for the listeners is now when, uh, you know, it's always been Coke or Pepsi uh, on the menus. So do these businesses actually tailor their menus around what kind of soft drink they're ser serving or wines they're serving? Because, well, sure. Like you said with that. Yeah. So, so some of the ultra processed food, the fast food places, um, you know, whoever they can do the deals with, you know, for, I don't know if it's still true, but uh, some of the uh, outlets were actually owned by PepsiCo for a while. Mm -hmm. um, I think it was Yum Brands or, or maybe they, right. they bought it after, which was like uh, Taco Bell, Kentucky Fried Chicken, Pizza Hut, uh, et cetera. So certainly even the ones that aren't, they're doing, you know, like McDonald's is its own thing. Um, and again, you want to talk about sort of the clout that these businesses have. If McDonald's was a country, it would have the 90th largest economy in the world, just McDonald's without all the other burgers and, and fast food places. So they have a, a lot of clout to control the messaging um, and the regulations and things that, that, that uh, go about. But uh, certainly, um, you know, they're, you know, they're, when they serve foods, they're not really crafting foods. They're not cooking foods like the small business person that you said, you know, my friends who are chefs and the restaurateurs that, that work with them, right? They're bringing in this natural uh, product, high quality product. They're cooking it. They're preparing it for you. You know, uh, the ultra processed foods that are served by these other fast food joints, et cetera, they're really just built to be assembled. Right. You dunk them in oil, you stick them in a microwave and therefore everything is low cost and including your labor costs because you're not paying for a chef. You're paying, you know, a high school kid to, you know, get out there, listen to a timer and, you know, put the fries in the deep oil and then take them out when the when the buzzer goes off. OK, yeah, it's, it's I don't know if you've seen it, but it was the history of fast food or a history of American foods. And they actually went through. Uh, how McDonald's came to be, you know, cornflakes, all these giants came out uh, and the mistakes they made along the way to actually get people to uh, come to them, you know, just like uh, uh, KFC did the, did the, uh, they made a, uh, a broiler, you know, that, that a high pressure broiler and whatnot out of it. You know, it, it's amazing that they've done this and they can get food out in less than two minutes. And, and you, you just hit on one of their main selling points, which is the convenience factor. Mm 
So we live in a convenient society. And I think sometimes maybe we get so busy as individuals, right? We're 24 seven, we're on the go, we're, we're doing things that we don't realize how sort of self-destructive to our own lives and our own health it is uh, and how susceptible we are um, because we, we kind of sacrifice things on the altar uh, of convenience. And so, you know, a great example, uh, we just talked about Pizza Hut and uh, the CEO, um, Mr. Creed, uh, some years ago, gave this really fascinating talk. He said, easy beats better every time. And what he meant was he sat down and Pizza Hut was number two in selling pizza and they want to be number one, right? So he said, well, how do we do that? We make a better tasting pizza, right? Oh, of course. So that's what they did. And they did all the focus groups and tested it and everyone liked their pizza the best. And so they unrolled their, uh, unveiled their new, you know, pizza formulation, blah, blah, blah. Sales didn't really change much. They're like, what's going on? So they studied, like you said, what, what did we do wrong? Well, consistently, everybody said, yeah, I like Pizza Hut pizza better, but I'm not waiting the extra 90 seconds on the phone to order a Pizza Hut pizza. And so what he did is he said, screw making a better pizza. I'm making it easier, i.e. facilitating the convenience factor and making it cheaper by piling on lots of that ultra processed little like sausage nuggets that look like, you know, animal droppings that they put on your pizza. And uh, that's the way he, he went and sales went through the roof. And he said, it's about convenience. It's people may mouth that they want uh, quality, and maybe in their brains, we you know we really do. We we want to eat good things, but what we fall prey to is our own laziness, if you will, our own desire for convenience, um, and we don't really take the extra steps. We put more thought into buying uh, a cell phone than we do into what we're going to put in our own bodies. <laughs> Wow, that is something to t- think about right there. And this is an excellent stopping point. We got to take a break quick, uh, Chef. Uh, everybody, I have Chef Dr. Mike with me. We're going over food, how it actually will equate to us having a better, more f- uh, financial, financial, gr- higher base life. Wow, my mind melt right there. And uh, we're going to come back after this break and we're going to talk some more. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Everyone deserves the opportunity to have access to the knowledge to make their own choices when it comes to where their money goes. Listening to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter will give you that access. Investing isn't just for the wealthy. Making More Money for You, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. 
Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter. If you have any questions for Magnus or his guests, join us on the show at 866-472-5789. That's 866-472-5789. Now back to the show. Here is Magnus Carter. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I'm Magnus Carter. This show is all about food. I am a giant foodie. I've been wanting to do a show like this for a very long time. And with me, I have Chef Dr. Mike. Thank you for coming back, Chef. Oh, my, my pleasure. And, and I love being on uh, your show and, and loving the things that uh, you're talking about and being able to share with your audience. So thank you. Absolutely. You know, we just after during our break, we were talking about a chicken nuggets and convenience. Uh, this is going to astound you that a chicken nugget that you make at home is definitely not the chicken nugget that you're getting when you go out. Um as we talked about, Chef, is there's four four or five ingredients, depending on what you want to do and how you make it, in a home-based chicken chicken nugget or chicken strip. But you're saying that there's 35, 34 to 35 different ingredients in the ones we go out and buy. Yeah, I can't remember exactly, but uh, a chicken McNugget has about 35 to 39 different <laughs> ingredients in it. So you can get a sense right away that there's not a whole lot of chicken in that nugget. And like you and I were talking, you know, if you're paying six cents for that piece of nugget, you, you really do get what you pay for. And, you know, people need to understand and, and revisit. And I'm sure that we got a lot of entrepreneurs out in your audience, Magnus, and I'm sure they understand mm-hmm. the uh, the concept of value. Well, what is value, right? It's the quality of something and the quantity of something and we put those together and we come up and, and we put a valuation on it and and it's not always about quantity because if i were going to offer you uh you know one you know 80 inch super high def 8k or whatever they are these days you know <laughs> large screen or 55 you know, vintage six-inch black and white TVs. You'd say, like, dude, right? Give me, give me the, <laughs> give me the one big screen. So you right. sacrifice quantity because you know you're getting a higher quality. Unfortunately, when it comes to food, we don't do that, and they know that, right? Um, a Big Mac is never a delicious Mac. It's advertised as a Big Mac. You don't, you don't get a yummy burger. You get a Whopper. Uh, you know, so it's it's all about this idea that food is equal and quantity therefore equals value when in fact over the last 75 years food has changed as we were just talking about you know 200 years ago a chicken was a freaking chicken right it ran around the yard it was a yard work but now a chicken is not a chicken and so until we start applying some of these economic ideas that you talk about and, and bringing them into other aspects of our life like our food and and looking at what we're eating, um, we're going to be able to be misled by the advertisers because that's what they focus on. I mean, people talk about, oh, this is quad, but nobody really uh, takes a moment to, to look at the value of food in terms of quantity and quality variables. Okay. Well, that those are very good vari- variables and a good segue into how does a family of four or five people 
survive this day and age with these with these unprecedented prices you know i myself when i go out now so i do eat out occasionally um but it's normally chick-fil-a or something you know something really good <laughs> I, I know that's still chicken, <laughs> it's chicken. <laughs> and, I, and i pay for it trust me <laughs> but you know for me to eat out it's like 20 25 dollars that's for one person one meal a drink it's normally water anyway i'm like it's a bottle of water and how do the how can the family start doing this is there better ways to do this well, sure, absolutely. And it's one of the things we talk about in culinary medicine, and we kind of refer to it as practical culinary medicine. So let's just put all the science aside and the studies and things and, and get to what you said, which is like, how do I use this information so I can be healthier, eat more delicious food right. and, and be able to afford to do that? Because just like everyone else, man, I and it's not only even just the price of stuff, right? It's like if you can find it. Because there's still these bare spots, at least, you know, at our supermarkets around here, we can go in and just find these bare spots. So part of that is understanding that uh, for a long time, because of convenience, we have lost, uh, meaning we sort of as a society, uh, really an ability to cook for ourselves, uh, to know how to make things, uh, to know how to make things last. Um, and that is not by accident, I tell you, because if I'm selling convenience, the best thing I can have is a customer base that can't produce that item themselves. So making it affordable, making it uh, uh, convenient, driving you into the idea that, oh gosh, you know, if you're in a kitchen cooking away, that's drudgery. You're like a homebound slave, you know, just buy our ready-made cookies and get out there and, and do that. And that really was the message in the 50s, around the 50s and the 60s, right? Was get out of the kitchen, get leisure time. Uh, and we've we've run with that, and it's been promoted to us uh, such that, as I said uh, just a second ago, one we we've lost our culinary skills. So learning some basic culinary skills, you don't have to make Michelin star food, but knowing how to to do a couple of basic things in the kitchen empowers you to then control what you're gonna buy and what you're gonna eat and and how it's flavored. The second is that one of the interesting things about these supply lines that have gone down is that for folks um, who have access to local resources, which used to sometimes be more expensive than buying the ultra-processed item at the supermarket, it becomes cheaper or certainly competitive. Why is that? Uh, well, if I go to my farmer's market, which just uh, opened oh, yes. up, I have a bunch of different vendors and all their zucchini comes in at the same time. And so it's very competitive for them then to have uh, and, you know, sell their zucchini. So I'm getting a great price on local, fresh, wholesome, organic produce. Uh, part of the trick, again, is knowing some things that I can do with that zucchini to, to slow down time and allow me to use it longer. So um, if I know, for example, I can take just the stuff that we vinegar and some other spices and herbs, and I can make the zucchini into pickles. Uh, zucchini Ooh. pickles and then you can have them all winter long because they they store forever if you can them so that's one example uh where we can take something um and and take advantage of the fact that now things that are local so we don't have those high transportation costs because the energy cost to ship things has gone through the roof 
which is why we see it cost so much in a supermarket, and start maybe re-exploring some of those local options. Other things are to broaden our culinary uh, palette, as it were. Okay. So if I'm buying and I say, Magnus, man, you got to get the organic carrots and you want to get them with the greens on them because when those greens are bright and fresh, you know, your carrots bright and fresh. And when that organic carrot is, is really that vibrant orange, we know that that's loaded with beta carotene. It's going to be good for you. And you say, yeah, Mike, but it's still, you know, 50% more than buying a, a, a package of carrots in the uh, without any tops, you know, that are sitting in the store. And then I say, well, Magnus, I got two tricks for you. So the first thing you're going to do is when you peel your carrot and you cut off the the you know the little top bit and the bottom bit, what we call the trim in the in the okay. restaurant business, uh, in the chefy business, throw it in a Tupperware, throw it in a plastic bag, put it in the uh, refrigerator. Because you know it's on Sunday when you're relaxing and you're just kind of piddling about, I'm going to have you take all that trim and you're going to throw it in with some leftover you know bones and bits uh, from stuff, and you're just going to let it cook with water for about you know four hours or so, and then you're just going to skim the water off, uh, you know, sieve it off, and you're going to have a fifteen dollar quart bone broth if you were to buy that from a <laughs> chef and make you know the best uh, stock that you've ever used oh, to cook gravies and risottos and whatever. And I'm going to say, cut those greens off. And then I want you to just drop them in boiling water for two minutes, put them in a little ice water. And then you're going to put in your food processor, chop it up, whatever. And you're going to have some incredible pesto to go with some bread or to go with your meals, okay. et cetera. And, right, and, and if you went out to a restaurant and you said, carrot top pesto, wow, that's on, this chef's really doing his stuff. That that, that <laughs> chef, she, she's awesome, man. She must be on the cutting edge. And it's like, no, you know, in a kitchen, when we run a professional kitchen, nothing goes to waste. Right. And so we just know how to use those odd bits and ends. And all of a sudden, when you start doing that, and I actually did this a couple of years ago, uh, when I, I lived in Florida and we did it on a uh, daytime TV and uh, we shopped on a snap budget and I showed that, you know, getting a whole organic chicken and then breaking it down yourself and using the bits and bobs all week long was cheaper than going out and buying pre-done, you know, legs and thighs, pre-done wings, yeah. pre-done, you know, skinless, this and that. And you got much more utility out of it because you used all those bones and things that were yeah. left over. So I think, there are plenty of opportunities uh, for people to engage within their comfort zone to stretch those dollars. Well, there's that and technology is everywhere. You can find recipes for all this stuff. Yeah. Honestly, we search our phones for everything else in the world. You know, recipe. I do it for Christmas cookies. Honestly, I do my Christmas cookies things. I get that taken care of. And I also do the same for other stuff. Like, like what you're saying, I never knew about the pesto, but Definitely, I'll make pesto now. <laughs> I, I love Italian food, and, yeah. and that's that type of food. Um, but also, what about buying in bulk? You know, we have our Sam's Club, we have our BJ's, we have Costco, we have all these things that are made for like the small mom, small mom and pop stores, stores and restaurants. But you know, they open it up to the public finally because they're getting well more revenue out of it. So, any tips and tidbits for that? Yeah, great, uh, great point, um, and 100% on that. So one of the things that I, I recommend making investment in, if you're going to sort of have to have a couple of things in your kitchen to make uh, you uh, comfortable and efficient, uh, one is one good chef's knife, which does the job of a whole lot of utensils, and the other is a vacuum sealer, which they've really come down in price. 
Uh, the reason for that is, you know, even if you put things in a plastic bag in a freezer bag that you buy off the shelf, there's still air in there. So you get frost damage, things freeze, et cetera. Uh, but when you use the vacuum sealer, you could put stuff in there because I do it every year. So, uh, again, I live in Montana. Uh, I got my uh, producer down the road, Brian, who's getting my uh, yearly uh, mangalista, you know, organically raised hog, you know, ready. And then um, I'll go pick up all the bits and bobs. And then there's things that, you know, I'll just vacuum seal. And then it's good for, you know, in next March, we're eating that. Same thing with our garden, uh, vacuum sealing it. Um, so when you buy things in bulk, if you have that vacuum sealer, uh, you can, you know, when you open that package and you're not using all of it, you can vacuum seal the uh, rest of it up, put it in the freezer. Uh, if it's a dry good, obviously you can just put it in the dry good, but that's going to keep it fresh really, really long. And very importantly, um, to a, a very small degree, freezing may have some impact on, on some items, but you're not really changing the, the taste. And in a lot of cases, especially when you're just putting it on a shelf, like with spices, for example, or if you buy a bulk of like, you know, rolled oats or lentils or things like that, sugar, uh, and you and you vacuum seal, you're, you're not going to uh, affect the taste or the quality of it. Okay. Easy. So it's, it's going to be good in six months as it is at six hours from now. And the other thing to do uh, to, to touch on what we talked about just a second ago is when folks make meals, don't necessarily just make it for the night. Mm -hmm. So if I'm making pasta over the weekend, right, I don't make just enough pasta for that night. I make a whole bunch more and then I vacuum seal it. So when I'm super busy in the middle of the week, I could take my vacuum seal pasta. We do it what's called IQF, which is just individually quick frozen servings. We, we call it IQFing. And, you know, we put it uh, in there. We, we vacuum seal it, put it in the freezer. But you package it as an individual or, you know, if you've got a partner, maybe for two. So I might put like, you know, six raviolis in a package for two of us. And then that night when, you know, I'm tired and I don't feel like doing anything, instead of stopping and spending 25 bucks a person at a drive-thru, I go home, heat, throw some water on the boil, drop my ravioli in. I've got my uh, sauce already canned, so I open that up, pour that out, and I've got, you know, a primo, you know, pasta dish that if I went to a restaurant, would it cost me 50 bucks a person? Yeah. And then you're still waiting for an hour, hour and a half yeah. to get that food, and then you got to <laughs> yeah. drive back, and you're like, yeah. I can't believe all, I ate all that food. Uh, also, on top of that, while freeze, um, you know, vacuum sealing stuff, I like to put my spices in with the food. Yeah, and just label it with it. You know, I found uh, personally when I when doing that is the flavor starts when you suck it into the meat or whatever you're doing. You know, it it's ten times better, and you don't have to marinate it. That that's a great tip. And what I would caution people with is if you're doing that, don't season as heavily as if you're just right. putting it out there for all the reasons you said because it intensifies it, and it can some come out that you might normally put a certain amount of salt in would come out like super salty <laughs> right. uh, because of that. And the other thing that you could do, uh, again, which I recommend uh, if you're going to do that, is you can do that whole meal, uh, as you said, vacuum seal it, and um, you can put it in like an, in an Instapod or uh, those slow cookers. And you can put you can put it on so it sets uh, particularly things that are we call it sous vide, which is like yes. sounds super fancy and intimidating cooking, <laughs> but it's actually the easiest cooking. It's foolproof. Um, they have Instapots that you can get at a Costco for about seventy five dollars that have a sous vide function. 
Uh, I get nothing from Instapot, by the way. So this is not <laughs> uh, I should be getting something from them. Uh, and you could set that, uh, throw stuff in there, go to work, come back, and it's it's ready. And because it, the water bath keeps everything at the same temperature, it never gets higher than that temperature, which is unlike your oven, which if you set it 150, right, it's still drying out. It's still cooking that food. Uh, within that water bath, it's surrounded at 150 degrees. So the meat never gets higher than 150 degrees. So it gives you, it's it's very kind cooking, gives you a, a lot of flexibility if you're, if you're running late, um, et cetera. So that's another sort of trick is to do, you know, the sous vide cooking. And as you said, you do all these different kinds of meals ahead of time and then just drop them in during the weekday. Oh, absolutely. Uh, now that's, you know, we're almost ready for another break. I can't believe it. <laughs> I'm just going by so fast. I should have did one break. But anyway, uh, but you, you brought up a great point of, of food prep. I want to get into food prep in the next start because okay. at, like what we're talking about right here, everyone, is we don't have time or we don't we convince ourselves we don't have the time to actually take take it out of our day to put healthier things in our body instead of going to down the street or making a phone call for, for delivery. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to, you know, keep going with this uh, great topic. Follow voice America at facebook.com forward slash voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Everyone deserves the opportunity to have access to the knowledge to make their own choices when it comes to where their money goes. Listening to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter will give you that access. Investing isn't just for the wealthy. Making More Money for You, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter. If you have any questions for Magnus or his guests, join us on the show at 866-472-5789. That's 866-472-5789. Now back to the show. Here is Magnus Carter. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the show. If you're just tuning in, welcome to the show. Uh, if you're just tuning in, you definitely want to go back to the other two segments because we're talking about uh, food, preparation, a whole bunch of cooking stuff because we're all giant foodies at heart. 
because we have to eat to survive <laughs> these day and ages. Uh, definitely go back and listen to it. Uh, this segment is uh, going to be just like the rest of the show is, uh, you know, it's going to take us all over to different places. And with me to go on this journey is Chef Dr. Mike. Welcome back, Chef. Thank you, Mangus. Great to be here. Oh, absolutely. You know, we were just talking at the lot over the break and prior to the break is um, about traveling, traveling for, for food, traveling for uh, cooking and whatnot. Do you have any uh, suggestions on when, when people are traveling to eat healthier and he get more out of their dollar? Oh, sure. So one of the things I always try to do is, and as you mentioned, you and I were talking and and this is very personal for me because uh, right up until about, uh, you know, two years ago or so, you know, I was on the road about nine months a year, two and a half, three weeks uh, a month on the road. So one of the things I always did was if I could, it, within the area I was staying, uh, I always booked a room at a hotel that had kitchens. So there are, you know, Holiday Inn has some, uh, Marriott has some, they have brands that have those kitchen suites in them. Uh, and they vary, uh, but you should get a decent sized refrigerator and at least a, a stovetop. And some of them actually had an oven as well. Uh, if I couldn't get that, uh, then I would look uh, to get uh, a hotel room that um, some of the places would have a grill that you could use. You could, you know, go outside and had a little community grill. And uh, as, as we were talking, uh, my culinary degree is actually in gourmet cooking and catering. And so what I would do is I would check my one luggage, piece of luggage as, you know, my clothes, my, my suitcase. And then I would pack a one container uh, under the weight limit catering rig, which had a hot plate that just plugged into an outlet, one pan, one pot, my chef knives, and then whatever else I could kind of shove in there. And I would actually make my own snacks and my own stuff in my hotel room. Um, so I know everybody doesn't want to go to that far, uh, but, but that is, you know, sort of, uh, one option if you want to take it to the extreme. The other thing that is very important if I was going places and it was just like a weekend sort of gig mm -hmm. and I was not going to be there very long, um, uh, because I didn't want to buy stuff and then not end up wasting food because I didn't eat it all uh, from the supermarket. Um, having some connections in the culinary world, I would just reach out to my chefs in that area, from that area, and say, hey, you know, chef to chef, where do I need to go to get, you know, the farm to table stuff? And while not everybody has access to that, there is this thing, you might know about it, called the internet, right, where you can get on Small and thing. look for, <laughs> look for, you know, the restaurants, as you said, the smaller, local, more mom and pop places that are doing this kind of food that source their food locally, prepare it fresh, uh, are known for that, getting good reviews for that. And I, I think those are the uh, places that you, that, you know, certainly from my perspective, that I would go. Also, as a foodie, it, a lot of times that lets me taste regional cuisine. Right. I might see things that I don't get or I haven't had before. And that makes the, the meal both exciting and, and fun for me. Uh, so there's that sort of added pleasure uh, to it as well. And so I really recommend doing that versus, you know, the fast food drive through, uh, you know, chain sort of places. Um, they're not really offering anything new and they most certainly are not offering you healthy food. Oh, that's true. You know, I, as we're talking about regional stuff, I'll never forget going down to Shreveport, down to Louisiana. Mm. Two of the best restaurants I've ever in that area I have ever eaten was the Blind Tiger uh, for uh, Cajun food, 
phenomenal food. And the little there's a little Irish pub like two blocks down from there on the on the main street in Shreveport. They had the best ramen I have ever tasted <laughs> in my entire life. At an Irish pub. At an Irish pub. Dead <laughs> serious. I've been in ramen houses in New York and out, uh, San Francisco and whatnot on the West Coast. But the this little Irish pub blew them both away. Wow. So don't, you know, don't judge the book by the cover, so to say, in this in this thing, because I, I was actually so, very impressed. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, you know, life at the end of the day is simply a collection of our experiences. Right. That's what we get to take with us uh, till the end. And, and so a lot as human beings, as social primates, our DNA is wired to have those experiences over food, with food, uh, celebratory with food, mourning with food, uh, you know. So uh, I encourage people, you know, to, to always maximize their food experience and then maximize their food experience with others um, and, and, you know, add not only joy to the meal of what you're eating, but joy to your life. I mean, you know, it's a great condiment, right? <laughs> oh, Absolutely. You know, and on top of that is you get to meet the people that actually enjoy cooking the food for you. I, I always like going to these places because when they're slow, they come out and talk. I always love that part and figure out the history of it, you know, get to talk to them. You know, I'll be back and, you know, I, I send them when other people go where I was going for my, my projects and stuff. I'm like, you got to go here. You got to talk to these guys. They will take care of you, um, you know, and on top of that. It, you already you're giving back to the community you, you know you're investing in the community to that area instead of another uh like we we're talking about before another conglomeration of fast food chains yeah like there's a, there's a human a human connection chefs we love food right if, you, if, if we love to talk about it in case you couldn't figure that out <laughs> by now yeah uh, we're excited to talk about it um and you know it's it's two passions for me it's it's both you know food and health you know and and, and as was <clears throat> reading a uh, great Italian author wrote a book uh, about 20 years ago called Food uh, is Culture. And, you know, he said uh, that, that, that food uh, and health are simply different aspects of the same corpus, right? It, they're, they're the two bookends to the same book, okay. uh, just coming at it from very different directions. And that, that's very much, you know, what I do and, and what I'm about. And, that that intersection occurs at what you said, which is that that human experience, that that human interaction, um, that is so incredibly important. I think one of the lessons as we move a little bit further, you know, away and out of COVID is that the inability to connect as human beings, um, we need that. We need that for our health and our mental and emotional well-being and there there is not a substitute this is great but there's nothing better than you and i having that ramen together in that pub with the ice cold guinness <laughs> you're right you're right uh actually that's exactly what i had that night <laughs> <laughs> we said irish pub i was like yeah, they got to be having guinness there. oh yeah there, there was guinness and there was also shots of uh uh i had bushmills and then the other guys were drinking um two lamore Oh yeah, yeah. So you know, it, it was completely Irish, <laughs> and hearing punk ra punk music on the on the radio. 
in there. So go Pokes! Like, go Pokes! Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, so now we're actually... Wow, uh, it's already getting close to the end of the show. Uh, so I do have a question for you. How did you tie your medicine? How, how did you decide to go into cardiology? Well, I I'd always, I actually, I, I had thought that what I really wanted to do was trauma surgery uh, as a medical student, because uh, I love the kind of fast paced uh, nature of it. Sort of as a medical practitioner, there's a lot of immediate reward, right? Somebody comes in and they've got a gunshot wound and they're going to die. Uh, but you, you know, you get to go in there and make a difference right away. So as a healthcare practitioner, there's immediate gratification, which is as, as a human being, something that, that we all like. Um, when I started to actually be able to do the rotations, what I found is that I really like cardiology because it, it called to my nerd side. Uh, a little bit. Um, and I really loved the science and the physiology. Um, I particularly uh, enjoyed a lot of the fluid dynamics, uh, the physics of fluid dynamics. And so interventional cardiology really gave me an opportunity uh, to explore and really get nerdy with the science of blood flow uh, yeah. and how, you know, blockages impact that and, you know, the chemistry, the physiology, the biology uh, that's involved in that. At the same time, when people are having heart attacks as an interventional cardiologist, I'm the guy that goes in at two o'clock in the morning, puts a stent in and opens that artery up. So there's kind of that surgical immediate gratification uh, aspect of it. So that's how I really wound up in cardiology. I found that that was the fit um, for me. And it's been an incredibly rewarding uh, career because again, many times you're there you know, at that boundary uh, of someone's life and death. And when you're allowed to be part of that and to, you know, do your best to make a positive interaction and experience that with, you know, the patient and their family, um, you know, that is, as a human being, that's a, a rare intimate experience and, and a real gift uh, that I've treasured, you know, for many decades, being able to to be part of that and and have that have that experience, you know, at that sort of betwixt and between space. Okay. Well, that's 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 astonishing. Uh, thank you for your, you know all the work you do do. So, is that how culinary medicine came to about? You just put both of them together after a while. Well, actually, as I said, you know, I got into food first, and right. so I really knew what good food was, and you know, for lack of a better term, what crap food was. Mm -hmm. But like everybody else, I got busy with life. Uh, you know, I'm <laughs> you a do. medical intern. I'm a resident. I'm working insane hours. I'm on call. I had the good fortune or bad fortune, depending on, on how you view it, of doing my internship and residency at the home of Krispy Kreme Donuts in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Oh. And, and when you finish, you know, you've finished an 18-hour shift and you're on your way back in at, you know, 4.30 in the morning to start your rounds. And that red light comes on saying, we have hot, meltingly delicious Krispy Kreme donuts coming off the conveyor, conveyor belt. And the devil on your shoulder is going, they go great with black coffee. You need some coffee anyway. Uh, there's no way, you know, you're not pulling in there to get some. And <laughs> so right. over the years, uh, years of that, um, I had some serious health challenges and I had to make some decisions. And I had to take a hard look at what I was doing and where I was and said, you know, one thing that I can control 
at this situation now is what I eat. And that's related to the inflammation that's going on and these other things. And um, so that's what I did is I said, I, I know, and I know I can cook because I've done it professionally. So I can make these foods and, and stop being lazy and conven- you know, relying on convenience and making excuses uh, and find a way to do it. And, you know, uh, I reversed my condition. Um, That's you know, amazing. And then I started realizing that a lot of what I was doing was the opposite of what I had been told to tell patients. And the more I got in, you know, I did two years of NIH bench research okay. under a really hard-nosed PhD scientist. And it was very grueling. But I thank him. Thank you, Brian, wherever you are, uh, because he really taught me how to be a good scientist. And and so I really knew how to analyze the data, extrapolate that data and said, you know, what we're telling people isn't right. This isn't what the science is showing us here, here and here that I started sharing that with my patients. They had great results. And then that led to developing a real culinary medicine program which we've been teaching now here at the University of Montana for almost a decade. That, wow, that's impressive. That's because I I understand when I went to my doctor multiple times about losing weight and whatnot, they gave us, they get, he gave me this chart about diabetes. Follow this thing. I'm like, serious. Like (laughs) it came to you for advice and you give me this chart that has all this stupid stuff on it that I'm not going to eat. And that has really no health value to me. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, all right, this is what you're instructed and told to give to me. You know, fine, I'll, I'll follow it. I didn't see any results. And then I start what you did, not not on your calibers, but I started researching foods and how to get things down. And I'm down since I started my workout program this time around. I'm still I'm down about 60 pounds already awesome. within a year or so. And and what we've developed um, is at, at bridgemed.health, B-R-I-D-G. M-E-D, no E, M-E-D, dot health, is we call the healing table. And, and mm-hmm. it's exactly what you point out, right? Because we found that the success is hooking a person up. We call them a host. Maybe they have a friend or a significant other at their table. You get paired with uh, your own RD, your own chef, and your own food relationship specialist. And you work through specific food health goals. So we can help you eat the food you want to eat because that's the food you're going to eat for a lifetime. Right. And that means it's sustainable for you and you're going yeah. to stick with it. So, awesome. yeah, we're working on those solutions. Okay. Well, that is, Chef, we're at the end of the show, man. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the hour went by extremely fast. How, we have about a minute left. How can we get a hold of you? Where can we find your books? How do we sign up for these courses? Uh, so, if you go to www.chefdrmike, that's chef drmike.com uh you'll find me there uh the courses um social media um uh, primarily facebook twitter uh instagram and also visit us at bridgman b-r-i-d-g-m-e-d dot health dot health uh and you can kind of see what we're up to there as well uh and uh we'd love to uh see you at your healing table well chef thank you for your time it's been a wonderful talking with you about you know, a f- subject that I love, <laughs> that I love dearly. Uh, everybody, that is the show for today. Thank you for tuning in. If you're just tuning in, go back, listen to the first whole thing of the show. Um, and if you have any questions, reach out to either uh, myself or doc- or Chef Dr. Mike. Uh, until then, the weather's nice outside. Get outside, do something, put the phone down, and try cooking one thing 
brother next week thanks for listening to making more money for you with magnus carter on the voice america business channel we look forward to the next show where we will be making more money for you until then have a fantastic week